how are you now? How are you? I wonder. I wonder. It's still the preseason, folks. We're not in the regular yet, but uh, the good news is the regular is quickly approaching. Um, I'm going to get right into this one. Hello and welcome to another preseason episode of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake, and I have quite a few goals to go over in this game. We had nine total goals, but I'm not going to give you the score as I've been doing for the last few episodes. We're going to save that for the end for any of the folks who have yet to actually watch the game. Now, Forgot to mention, of course, this was a game against the hated Toronto Maple Leafs in the preseason for your Montreal Canadiens, and early on in this game, the Habs get a power play. Now, it's former Hab Max Domi actually off for slashing current captain Nick Suzuki, but the power play, as I've mentioned a few times on this podcast, has been atrocious in the preseason. So I'm thinking, uh uh-oh, I don't really want to see this, but wait. Nick Suzuki with a nice pass back to the point to Matthias Norlander. He lets go a quick wrist shot, just lightning quick release from the point on that one. And it gets through everybody, including Ilya Samsonov, 1-0 for the Montreal Canadiens early in this one. It takes like eight minutes for the Leafs just to get a shot on goal. Uh, But of course, you know, whenever a team takes like eight minutes, seven minutes, whatever it may be to get a shot on goal against the Habs, you just have a strong feeling that it's going to end up going in. And it does. It's Noah Gregor coming in on the left wing. Just lets one through uh, past Arbor Jackeye as a bit of a screen there. I think it may have gotten a piece of Jackeye on the way through, but this is not one that Jake Allen should be letting in. And he does let it in. It is 1-1. Now, the Leafs get a power play just past the halfway point of the first period, and uh, their power play, not atrocious. It's quite fantastic, actually. And uh, surprise, surprise, it does exactly what it's meant to do. Austin Matthews puts it down low to John Tavares. He just kind of turns in front of David Sabar and roofs it on Jake Allen. It's 2-1 to one for the Leafs. Uh, the Leafs have climbed back into the shot race at this point. It was 7 nothing early on before the Leafs. When the Leafs got their first shot on goal, I think it was 8-1, actually. Uh, but penalties helped them, and they also just started getting their legs under them and looking a lot better in that game. So uh, it was 9-8 to eight by the end of the first period in favor of the Toronto Maple Leafs in terms of shots. 2-1 to one, the score after 20 minutes. Back and forth a little bit early in the second period. The Habs doing a pretty good job of getting in front of shots, more so than preventing them. Uh, but the Habs end up getting a power play in the second half of the frame. It's just too predictable. Too predictable. It worked on the first one that they got in the first period. In the second period, kind of went back to a lot of the same things that they were doing previously in the uh, preseason that have really bothered me um, when it comes to their power play. Just too predictable. Uh, Caulfield, they're, they're camping out on him. They know where he is. They know the Habs are trying to get the puck there. they got to find more creative ways to make that happen. Uh, and just after that power play ends, Leafs go the other way. Max Domi throws a pass into the middle of the ice. It just bounces right back to him as he's skating towards the near post. And he just swipes it over Jake Allen and makes it 3-1. to one. The score is 3-1. to one. Where have I heard that before? Foreshadowing. Now, gets a little bit chippy after that 3-1 to one goal. Uh, Timothy Lilligren uh, had a hit on uh, Logan Mayu that looked a little bit suspect. You know, on a, on a further examination, it looked, it looked like it was fairly clean. Uh, but after that, uh, Arbor Jackeye had a whole jousting match with Nick Robertson. He hit him in the face. Robertson came back, hit him with a two-hander. But because I think Robertson was bleeding, it ended up being a double minor for the Habs in only two minutes against the Leafs, which gave, what, another power play to the Toronto Maple Leafs. But wait, 
shorthanded. The Montreal Canadiens go to work. It's Kirby Doc and Sean Monaghan up front. Sean Monaghan intercepts a bad pass in the leave zone. Quick exchange at the point, and then he goes cross crease over to Kirby Doc on the other side, sitting on the back door. He puts it in and makes it 3-2 to two with 11 seconds on the clock in the second period. The Habs have life early-ish in the third period. We get right back to a little bit of, you know, penalty trouble for both teams, really. Uh, Monaghan gets called for slashing Nylander. I felt like Nylander was selling a call there, and it wasn't quite a slash. I thought it was on the stick, but whatever. And then Tanner Pearson tries to center one uh, in the offensive zone, and William Nylander just whacks it right out uh, into the stands, or into the netting, rather, uh, that (laughs) protects the stands from uh, getting hit by the puck. That's the worst league in the rule. But, you know, there's two different power plays there. The Habs managed to kill off their power play and the Leafs had no trouble killing off the the Habs power play because they looked absolutely terrible on that one and they can't even get into the zone until there's 20 seconds left in the Nylander penalty so uh yeah not long after the Habs fail on their attempt the fourth line gets hemmed in their own zone by the Tavares line and that's you know about a minute and a half two minute long shift for the fourth line against John Tavares yeah that's going to eventually burn you Tavares gets a one-timer from the right dot, and he just puts that right over the shoulder of Jake Allen. It is now 4-2 to in favor of the Toronto Maple Leafs, but wait, the Habs are not done. Habs go the other way almost immediately and hem the Leafs in their own zone for a few minutes with two different lines involved. So after a line change, Uri Slavkovsky's out there doing some really good work down low, working up towards the point, puts it up to Arbor Jackeye. He goes across to Johnny Kovacevic. Kovacevic claps it from distance, gets it through, and now it's 4-3. to three. The Habs have some real life. And with a little over two minutes to go in the game, they pull Jake Allen for the extra skater. Really good puck move in the offensive zone. But they're kind of staying a little bit too much around the perimeter. I'm sitting here. I'm saying it in the EOTP chat. I'm saying it out loud to my TV as if it's going to make a difference. You need to get to the middle. And they do. Kirby Doc working on the half wall. Throws it into the middle to Josh Anderson. And he snipes one far side top corner it's 4-4 and we're going to overtime and overtime folks it does not last long it starts with the Montreal Canadiens sending out who you guessed it Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield and they give them Jordan Harris as a third to go with them they get into the offensive zone nice exchange between Nick and Cole there and then Nick back to Cole coming back into the zone after he looped out for a second he's got time he's got space he wires one off the post Ping, but the captain followed the shot to the net and puts the rebound home. 5-4 to four is your score in favor of the Montreal Canadiens in Toronto. So they go into Toronto and they take a game off of them. I don't know how much they're going to be able to do that this year, but I would love it if they if they could do it a couple of times just to irk Leafs fans a little bit. Uh, the Habs win. And now their preseason record, if you care about that kind of thing, has improved to 2-3. and three. It is 2-3, and three, isn't it? It is. It is, in fact, a 2-3 and three record for the Habs at this point in their preparatory games. Um, look, that was a overall very good effort. Um, they were, I, I believe the Leafs had the better chances in the game. I, I want to say they definitely had more high-danger chances than the Habs. But the Habs outshot them. Uh, they out-attempted them. I would say largely out-possessed them as well. And the fact that they were able to hem the Leafs in their own zone on numerous occasions was very encouraging for me. Uh, this was almost a full lineup for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They had all their stars. They had Austin Matthews. They had Mitch Marner. They had John Tavares. They had William Nylander. They have arguably 
and I, I hate to say this because I don't like complimenting them, but they have arguably one of the better, you know, one, two, three uh, punches at center that you could have in the league. Uh, they've got currently running uh, Austin Matthews, John Tavares, and William Nylander. I think John Tavares was technically a third-line center for them in that game, which is, you know, he's he's certainly a little bit overpaid, I would argue, but that's, that's incredible depth if you have that man as your third center. Um, now, the Habs took it to him. Uh, again, I'm willing to overlook the fact that the Leafs had more high danger chances. I think the Habs did a really good job of mitigating those, and they did a really good job of creating chances uh, in their own way. I'd like to see them get to the middle more, but the fact that they were able to generate what they did against that Leafs lineup, um, you know, it was impressive. So it's a, it's it's a good entry in the preparatory games for them. And now we get to go to your player of the game. I could have gone in a lot of directions with this one. Um, Kirby Doc would have been a very um, Kirby Doc would have been a good pick. He was, you know, an absolute beast in the offensive zone. He's creating some of the best chances for the team out there. He was giving up a lot of chances, though, which is the only reason why I can't quite put him as the the player of the game for that one. But uh, I would say it was a fantastic game from him. Uh, I really liked Uri Slavkovsky in that game as well. I thought he played excellent. Um, they, they had some really tough minutes that they had to deal with, and he's been getting better and better as the preseason goes on. Very encouraging to see that from him. Uh, I could have gone with Matthias Norlander. Honestly, he had maybe his best game of camp so far. Uh, Logan Mayu played pretty well. Um, he, he had some warts in his game. He took a couple of bad penalties that I didn't really like. But um, outside of that, he was quite strong, uh, particularly from the offensive blue line in. But I'm going to go with Cole Caulfield. And I know some people are going to think that's a bit of a cop-out. But he was absolutely excellent in that game. Uh, very quietly good. Like, you... You had to be paying a lot of attention to what he was doing out there. There was a point in the third period where he came flying down the middle of the ice, um, you know, carried it from his own blue line all the way into the offensive zone, and he got slashed right on the the arm by I want to say Nick Robertson. I can't remember who it was. I'm not. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Now we saw earlier in the game when William Nylander got slashed. He's flapping his arm around to try and sell a call to the ref. Cole Caulfield. None of that. He forgot that you're apparently supposed to do that. He just kept skating with the puck. Imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine having the puck on your stick and saying, you know what? This is worth more to me than trying to sell a call. I'm going to skate through it. So I really appreciated that. Uh, I always think back to that one time that Alexei Kovalev uh, got slashed and started flapping his arm around, didn't get the call. Puck goes the other way and the Bruins score uh, in the playoffs. I think it was in the playoffs anyways. That was a long time ago. But um, I always think back to that whenever I see somebody flapping their arm around. And, um, you know, Cole Caulfield did none of that, loved it. Uh, he had a lot of opportunities uh, in that game as well. Uh, when they had, when they were trying to get the equalizer at the end of the game when it was 4-3, he had one that just went about an inch wide. And then, of course, in overtime, he puts one off the post. Just a beautiful shot, and Nick Suzuki follows it up uh, and puts that thing in the net. So this was a great game from Cole Caulfield. The fucking Sportsnet broadcast, apparently. I don't know. I was watching RDS, but the fucking Sportsnet broadcast had predicted, apparently, only 10 more goals for Cole Caulfield than he got last year. And he only played in 46 games last year. So, you know, if my math serves me correct, that's a little bit shy of what he would have been projected to get last year on a shittier team. So the Toronto sports media has apparently made it their mission to try and slander Cole Caulfield, and I hope he makes them eat every single word that they're saying about him. Uh, He looks ready. He looked great in that game. I'm giving him player of the game, but we're going to keep going. I'm going to keep talking about some impressive performances because I think a close second to uh, to Cole Caulfield in that one would have been Nick Suzuki, who is, of course, his centerman. Uh, Suzuki was great. 
in that game. Uh, they controlled 66.67% of the shot attempts when they were on the ice, and that's for uh, the two of them, for Cole Caulfield and for Nick Suzuki. Exact same mark at even strength. Um, so they were pretty much dominating the Leafs whenever they were out there. And again, the Leafs were running their three deep centers, so there was no easy minutes to be had in that game, really, unless you were out against the fourth line. And with the Leafs having last change, they had full control over who was going to play against who in that game. Now... Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki did fantastic. Nick Suzuki, really good puck movement. He was playing physical. Um, He's setting a lot of really nice things up in the offensive zone. Um, When they were on the ice, it was one of the few times where they were kind of getting to the middle a little bit. I still don't think Josh Anderson is the right third for that line, but I will say he had a very good game there. Obviously, he scored a big goal for them um, to get them back into the game and tie things up at the end. Um, Really, I I just want to see him elsewhere in the lineup, but... Um, you know, he that, that line overall was very good in this game. And so uh, I think you could throw flowers to all three of them for that one. It was, uh, it was a very complete effort from them on the night. Sean Monaghan uh, was also very good in that game. I think you could have made a case for him being player of the game. Um, realistically, like, take your pick here. I know I picked Cole Caulfield, but there's going to be differing opinions from mine, of course. And uh, I, I think you could pick anybody you want up front. And you'd probably have uh, a pretty compelling case uh, for them to be player of the game. Really liked Sean Monaghan. Really liked uh, Jesse Elin. And um, he played pretty limited minutes. But I think he showed that he's capable of playing in the NHL at the very least. Now, what I want to spend more time on than anything is the defenseman in this game. Because I thought there were some really interesting performances there. Let's start with Logan Mayu. Like Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki, he had a really good night in terms of possession, shot attempt share. Um, he was 66.67% in favor of the Montreal Canadiens when he was on the ice. 14-4, 7 against. I mean, I, I don't know what more you could ask from the kid. Um, I still think he's probably best served being sent down to Laval because there were some issues. Uh, it was pointed out by the RDS broadcast. There was a point in the second period, I think, where he tried a long backhand pass that would have gone all the way to the other side on a breakout. It ended up getting picked off, and then the Leafs turned it into a good 45 seconds of uh, hemming the Habs into the offensive zone. If Mayu had made a simpler pass there, if he had just banked it up the boards, that probably wouldn't have happened. Uh, so those little things in his game, which most of them are you know, defensively or coming out of the zone on a breakout, he needs to work on those, and I think Laval is probably the best place for him to do that. But that being said... He had some magnificent sequences in the offensive zone with and without the puck. Um, This kid could be really, really good if they take their time with him and they do this right. Um, So that's why I say we probably need to let him cook in Laval just a little bit. And at some point this season, they're probably going to need a body. And I I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility whatsoever that after 10 or 15 games in Laval... He might have some of those smaller warts in his own zone and coming out in transition removed from his game entirely, and he might be ready to go. I I think they could absolutely skate him in regular season games if they want to. I just think you need to take your time with a kid like that. Uh, He's got so much talent. He's got such a deep toolbox. He's got things in his toolbox that other people just don't have. And if he can iron out some of those deficiencies in his game, man, he could be a magnificent player very soon for the Montreal Canadiens. Um... We could talk about the uh, the discipline issues. So there was uh, a play where... Now, I thought this should have been two penalties. I thought this should have been a penalty on... It was Matthew Nice. I think it was Nice. I'm going to have to go back and check my own Twitter account and see who it was. 
I went to flow back. It was either Nyes or Robertson. It was one of their young guys. And basically he skated over and, and gave Mayu a whack. And then Mayu kind of went to shove him, but ended up shoving him in the face. It was nice. And the retaliation is always the thing that gets caught by the ref. This is a thing that they teach you from a very young age in hockey. But Mayu, you know, I, I understand the desire to, to hit him back there because he gave you a whack. But you just got to you got to take it and and take the number and then get him later right next time that he tries to swing around behind the net you know you could duck down get him with a nice hip check put your hip right on his hip and just level him right you don't have to get him back right away and i just i'm i'm looking at the the video right here in front of me and if i was the ref i would have had a hard time seeing the slash because the ref was on the other side of the ice and uh you know nice is coming across his body for that slash and then the the one thing that you definitely see is you see Mayu kind of give him that shove to the face and um, you know that's a thing that with more experience he'll figure out how to get that guy back instead of trying to get him back right away uh, but it is something that he needs to work on overall though overall I think he was much better than you than anybody really expected him to be in that game and I, I think if that was his final audition it was a good one, and he's going to make the decision a little bit tough for him. Uh, but it would probably push him at the very least up to the the top or near the top of the recall list uh, when he starts playing for Laval. So there's nothing wrong with it. If they send him down, I think nobody should be freaking out about that. I think it's probably the right decision. And uh, listen, he could learn some very valuable lessons that will help him be a better player when, uh, when the time comes for him to suit up for the Habs this season. Uh, and I really do think I, I saw enough from him to say, like, I'd be comfortable seeing them put him in the lineup for a few games when the need arises. The other one, Matthias Norlander. Uh, Matthias Norlander, I was very surprised with how well he played in that game. Um, he had one brain fart on the power play, right? They had a power play. They were trying to come out of their own zone, and he had Mitch Marner bearing down on him, and he was just way too nonchalant, and he ended up getting stripped, and Marner almost got a scoring chance out of it. Or sorry, no, they did get a scoring chance. He got it over to Matthews, and Matthews ripped one. Uh, it got off of Allen's shoulder and then off the crossbar. <clears throat> so it's, you know, it's the one mistake that he made in that game. The rest of the time, I mean, obviously he had that quick release shot from the point to get the opening goal. Um, he's moving the puck really well. He's confident with it. He's trying things. Jared Book mentioned this when we were talking about it on the on the cuts episode uh, of Absent Minded. He's trying things that you would not have seen him try last year. He's willing to use his legs. He's willing to use his his dangles a little bit to open up space uh, and to create things offensively. And uh, this is the best I've seen him look as a Habs prospect in North America, right? We all remember when he was playing in Sweden and he was turning heads. Uh, and then he comes over to North America and it hasn't been that way. And I think concussions have kind of played into that a little bit. But now he's looking better than ever. He's looking ready to go. And um, But I'd say the same thing for him that I said for Mayu. I really think the best place for him to start is going to be Laval. Unless there's a couple of guys who are not ready to start this season, I'm saying the same thing for both of these guys. Let them start in Laval. Let them play big minutes. Get it, give them both opportunities on the power play. And take notes on everything that you've seen so far in the preseason and what you need them to be better at and be very specific with them. Work with them to try and get them to the point where, you know what, as soon as there's an injury, you can look down at Laval and go, I've got two or three guys that are ready to go right now that I could pull up. We already know William Trudeau is down there. He's looked well enough to get pulled up anytime. You could conceivably have three guys ready to go whenever you need them. Great depth. Great depth for now. Great depth for the future. Love to see it. And then uh, two last guys that I want to bring up real quick before I wrap this up. Um, 
Arbor Jack, I, I thought he played excellent in that game. He was way better than I thought he was going to look. He's usually, you know, a bit problematic against higher skilled teams like the Leafs, but he was just perfect. Everything he did was great. Um, he obviously put a great pass over to Johnny Kovacevic for um, for one of the goals there, and uh, he was creating things offensively as well. He had a good uh, couple of times where he got the puck up at the blue line. He drove down low and ended up creating scoring chances. Um, you know, I, I think even the Leafs were surprised that he was doing that, and he didn't. Outside of that one thing with Nick Robertson, he didn't take any dumb penalties. He didn't go after Ryan Reeves unnecessarily. Uh, he played a very reserved game outside of that one uh, quick mishap, which, again, I think was precipitated by the Liljegren hit on uh, Logan Mayu. So uh, it's understandable. I'd like to see him try to weed that out of his game, but he was great. And Johnny Kovacevic. Johnny Kovacevic, I, <laughs> what a waiver pickup. He looks great. He reminds me of Jeff Petrie sometimes out there. Me and Jared were talking about it in the EOTP chat. There are some things that he does out there that are quite reminiscent of um, – of Jeff Petrie, and uh, that, that's high praise because uh, that's a player that once was uh, quite an important piece for the Montreal Canadiens on the blue line, and uh, Johnny Kovacevic could be in line for some big minutes this year. So, look, I think I've rambled on enough. That was a really good effort by the Montreal Canadiens. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, it's nice to see a fun preseason game, right? I mean, the results don't matter, so we can't sit here celebrating too much that they beat the Leafs. Uh, beating the Leafs now in the preseason, of course, does not mean that they're going to finish ahead of the Leafs in the standings. Uh, although, although, <laughs> let's just say that would be one of the funniest things ever. So we could hope it happens, but let's just let's be honest with ourselves. This was just a fun entry in the preseason games. Uh, it's fun. It's always fun to beat the Leafs preseason or otherwise. And we got to see some good performances from some young players that could be very important to the rebuild for this organization. So we're going to cut it off there. I'm already running over 22 minutes. So c'est une soirée inconnue pour les employés de soutien. Uh, we are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I'd appreciate it very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And of course, à la prochaine. God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney+. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.